You know, I think back to like when we first started revival. The very first passage that I really felt like the Holy Spirit was laying on my heart before we had even, before this church was even born, when it was just an idea that the Holy Spirit was giving me, it was Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. Old Testament. If you've got a Bible, you can go back with me. We'll have it up here on the screen. But Ezekiel 37, verse 1 is where we're going to be. I might jump around a little bit here. But this is where I felt him leading me that very first time when I was thinking about this idea that he had planted in my heart of a church. All right, Ezekiel 37. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. We have them out there in the lobby. We're always giving those away for free. We want people to have the word. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Just like what, just like what Jared was talking about there. Sometimes we're in the valley, and all we see are dry bones. That was the season of my life I was in. I, I was just looking around, and all, all I saw were dry bones. I, I didn't see hope. I didn't see life. And sometimes that's all we see in some of these seasons that we're in. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. There's nothing harder than preaching into an, a hopeless situation. There's nothing more difficult than speaking life into a situation where all you can see is death. At that point in my life, all I could see was death. All I could see was, I, I, I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. What Jared was going, what he was going through and experiencing in his life, all he could see was darkness. All he could see was the valley of dry bones. It's hard to speak by faith and speak life into a situation like that. But that's what he told the prophet to do. Speak life into this moment. Even though you don't see it. Even though you can't feel it. Even though when you're looking around, all you see is a valley full of dry bones. If you speak life and declare it by faith, Guess what happens? You begin to hear a rattle. You begin to hear the bones come together. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh 
formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. That was what he put on my heart for this church. That there were going to be dead bodies, there were going to be dead bones that would walk in every Sunday morning. But what we were going to do, we are going to just speak life exactly as he told us to. We're going to speak the word of the Lord over the dry bones, and dry bones were going to come to life. I didn't know back then when I was alone two and a half years ago, sitting in a dark room, depressed and angry and mad about the situation God had brought me to and wondering what's next, and then he just tells me, Ezekiel 37, go there. And then he puts this word into my heart, into my spirit, revival. Revival's coming. It was hard because all I could see was the valley, but he kept saying, declare it. Just start to speak it over your life. And he had skeletons and he had dry bones in mind before this church was even born that he knew that we would preach over, that we would declare God's word over that we would declare it over in preaching, that we would declare it over in worship, that we would declare over in prayer and the laying on of hands, that there would be dry bones that would come to life. He had Jared in mind that day when I was alone in the valley. He knew even back then what Jared was gonna face. And he said, I need to prepare a way for him. I need to prepare a place for him and for others who want to be filled with my presence again, that don't want to just be satisfied with the valley, that don't want to walk through life as dry bones anymore, but they want to come alive in the name of Jesus. That's what he prepares in the valley. Even though you don't see it, start declaring it. That's what we started doing last week. I told you we're in a rebuilding phase right now. I felt like God has just been putting it on me to go back to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and there are these essential building blocks of the church that he said, establish my church on these things? Put Jesus at the cornerstone and build out from there? And that's how you build my church. And that's what he's doing in this season. And so we started declaring last week. We started putting all these chairs up, and we started saying he's going to fill these chairs He's going to fill these chairs and he's going to grow his church because there's more dead, dry bones out there that need to find life and walk in the Spirit again. That's what, yeah, there we go. Yeah, you can preach with me here. If you're new to revival, if you want to come into agreement with what the Lord is saying, that's what we're going to do. We come into agreement with what he's saying. We declare his word and we come into agreement and say amen. We say yes. We say, come on, Lord. We want to fill every chair. There's something in here. There's a spirit in the church today that's been burned by the mega church or the big church. There's a lot of that in here today. I can feel that. And there's a lot of you in here today, you're kind of like, I I, I want it kind of nice and just kind of small and just manageable. Let me tell you something. God doesn't want a small church. He doesn't. Because the bigger the church, the less seats that are filled in hell. That's what he wants to chase after everyone that's gone astray, to chase after every one of the dry bones living in the valley so that they can come into full life again. So flesh and meat will come upon them so they can be filled with the breath of his spirit again. 
And so a full church means a full movement of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want to see. And so every chair in here, that's a chair that we're declaring life over today. And so even as we get ready to worship in that last song, I want you to look at a chair and say, God, fill that seat. And then I want you to look and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, who's that person that I need to sow the seed of God's word into, that I need to speak life into in this season? Because I remember when Jared first reached out to me through what he was going through, and that when he had entered that season of the dry bones of the valley, and I just started declaring life over that situation. I just started declaring back to him the promises of God's word. And even though he didn't really feel it, even though he probably didn't want to hear it, there was a seed planted because that's what God's word does. It's a seed. Luke 8, go with me, Luke 8. We hit on this last week, but we need to hit on it again. There's hard soil we're breaking through right here because there's still this, there's still this hardness to the idea of growth and the idea of expanding the church and all these things because we know there's, there's churches that have done it wrong. There's churches that have done it for the wrong reasons, that have abused their growth, that have abused the money or whatever. And we're rebuking all that in the name of Jesus today because we're just doing it his way. And we're doing it by the power and movement of the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill every seat in here. And then he wants us to add seats every week as he fills this room. And then he's got a skeleton of a building for us that he's already been preparing. That he's going to make our home. Some of you, you've heard me say this before, but I I felt like two years ago he started telling us that he's got a building that he's just going to give us as a church. And I believe we're closer now than we've ever been to that moment when he's going to release that. And he's going to form it, and he's going to fill it with his breath, with his people, walking temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we're just declaring that over dry bones today, over the valley today, that there's life coming. There's already life happening. There's life being breathed in by his Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to see that. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Once again, that's what we're seeing in this church right now in this season too. There's a movement of the Holy Spirit, and by the power of Jesus' name, there are people that are being cured and healed. There are demons being cast out, evil spirits that are afflicting people that are being cast out, that have been oppressed all their life, and they're now, now they're finding freedom in the name of Jesus. He is still doing that. He's releasing people, and people are walking in freedom and breakthrough. In fact, if you're looking for freedom and breakthrough today, come forward during the last song. Come to the altar. Ask for prayer. Or come out on Tuesday nights. We have a prayer night every Tuesday night, and it meets right over here where the kids meet, 6.30. And I'm telling you, people are finding breakthrough and freedom in the name of Jesus on those nights. That's what's happening. Some of you just, I heard an amen right there. Some of you, you've been freed and you didn't even say amen. Go ahead, I'll give you another chance. There's freedom on Tuesday nights. If you've experienced it, let me hear you. Yeah, yeah, some of you, you know. We saw it this last week again. We saw it two weeks in a row. A husband and a wife experienced freedom and healing back-to-back weeks. Anxiety and worry released 
physical ailments and fatigue released and healed in the name of Jesus and his presence. That's what his presence does. When you come into his presence, everything is easy in the presence of Jesus. There's healing, there's freedom, there's deliverance. And then we can walk in authority. That's what he wants us to do. We don't have to walk through this world as a victim anymore. No, 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 we walk in victory because it's already been won. And so even if you don't see it right now in the natural, you start declaring it by faith that dry bones are coming alive, that sickness is being healed, that death has already been cured on the cross. Stir that faith up. That's what's happening on Tuesday. That's what's happening when we gather on Sunday. We're fanning the flame of faith. The Holy Spirit wants to break out Verse 4, chapter 8. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use this parable to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. That's why we pray when we come in here. We pray, God, open our eyes and open our ears. We want to see and we want to understand. We want to hear. We want to be fertile soil. We want to be, the, we want to be that fourth soil. There were four soils. He's just tossing seed. That's what they did. They were tossing seed everywhere. There were four soils. And I told you this last week, but I'll say it again. Sow the seed of God's word everywhere you go. I don't care who it is, who you're talking to. I don't care if it's the hardest heart. If it's somebody that you think they want nothing to do with Jesus. Do you, do you know who was hanging out with Jesus? Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. Joanna, the wife of Chusa. Chusa, he was Herod's business manager. Do you know who Herod was? He was the hardest of soils. The same guy that had John the Baptist beheaded. That's who Herod was. But what did Jesus do? He went out and sowed the seed. He sowed the word everywhere he went. And it doesn't matter what you may think. You might, you might have an idea of this person. You might think, I know what kind of soil they are. It's not even worth sowing the seed of God's word into their life. It's not even worth declaring the, the life that God wants to do, the change, the transformation that he wants to bring into their life. <coughs> That's a lie. Because the hardest hearts that you think, sometimes that can be the most fertile soil. We don't know. All we can do is just sow the seed, and then God will bring the growth. That's what's going to happen. And so God used the wife of Herod's business manager to do what? To bring provision for the ministry that Jesus was doing. That's what these women were doing. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, 
This is verse 3. And many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. While Herod was trying to kill and cut off the message of the kingdom at the head, there were people connected to him, close to him, in his court that were sowing the seed of money and their wealth that Herod had given them. That, who, who pays Herod's business manager? Where, where did Herod's business manager's wife get the money? From Herod. Herod thought he was killing it off. No, no, no. He was paying for the ministry of Jesus. That is what happens in the kingdom. When you sow the seed of God's word, he will use what the enemy meant for evil to bring growth in the kingdom. <coughs> I'm sorry. Ooh. That, that's a game changer right there. That should transform the way we look. <coughs> pray for me, pray for me, man. He doesn't want me to say this. You got me, man. I know you got me. Start sowing the seed. This, this parable right here, look at, look at what happens when Jesus explains it here, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away. The devil's the birds, all right? The birds coming and take it away. That, that's what, by the way, if you feel like that in this season, if you feel like the devil's coming after you, he's trying to get the seed of God's word. Don't let him get it. You have a choice. You can hold on to that seed and you can start declaring it over your own life. You can start speaking it out because guess what? The power of life and death is in the tongue. If you feel doubt right now in this season, if you feel fatigue, if you feel oppressed, if you feel afflicted, like the enemy is coming after you trying to get you to quit, start declaring God's word over your life. Start declaring the promises that he's made through his word over your life. And guess what? You're going to take hold of that seed, and the devil's not going to be able to grab it from you. He can't take it from you if you're holding on to it. But if you choose to let it go, if you choose to release it and say, I don't want it, that's on you. He's a defeated enemy. He has no power or authority over you. If you want to hold on to the seed, start holding on to it. Start taking it and making it your own. Start to take the scripture, of, start to take God's word. And hold it into your heart. Begin to memorize it. Begin to declare it. Begin to write it on sticky notes and put it all over your house. Put it all over the mirrors. Put it all over your kids' doorways. So everywhere you go, you see it and you read it and you declare it. You're holding on to it. Don't let the enemy come and steal that seed. Verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots... They believe for a while. That's what we're doing here. We're trying to go deeper. We're not just trying to go wide. We're trying to go deep. Deep and wide. I think there's an old song about that. Okay, that's what we want. We want to go deep and wide. You got to have deep roots. You got to let them grow down deep. When you hold on to the seed of God's word and you begin to let it get planted and rooted within you, guess what? The roots are going to grow deep. It says here, these people, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The next time you face temptation, hold on to the seed. Hold on to God's word and begin to declare it when you face what the enemy is bringing into your life. 
And guess what? You're going to start to find the roots grow deep. And you're not just swayed to the left or the right anymore. You're not just uprooted. No, no, no. You are planted by the stream of living water. And he is flowing and he is filling and he's bringing growth. Verse 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. What are we doing in Hebrews 6? We're trying to grow into maturity. We're going back to the basics so we can grow into maturity in this season, into completeness. We have to establish the basics that he talks about in Hebrews 6 so we can grow to maturity so we won't be stamped out. So the thorns won't grow up around us and crowd us out. Verse 15, and the seeds that fell on the good soil. That's what revival is. That's what this church is. It's good soil here. That's what we want. We want to be good soil. Soil where the seed of God's word gets sown every week and it gets watered in prayer, and it gets watered in worship, and it gets fortified, and the roots grow down deep. And so we become a tree that produces fruit in the kingdom. And this tree, it can't be uprooted. You've seen storms and tornadoes. You've seen pictures of the aftermath. What are some of the things that are standing after the aftermath of a tornado? There's still trees standing. There's buildings that have fallen, but there are trees standing. Why? Because they got roots that grow deep. That's what he's doing in revival. That's the heart of revival. That the Holy Spirit is bringing growth that's supernatural. Growth that the enemy's going to throw his best storms at. He's going to throw his best attacks at. And it's going to knock everything else down around you. But you're going to be left standing because you held on to the seed. You held on to God's word. You let it get planted in here. The seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and then patiently produce a huge harvest. That's what we're in right now. We're in this season of learning to cling to God's word And guess what? We're going to be patient, but he's already starting to do it. He's already starting to fill these chairs. There's people that you know in your life right now. He just put four people on your heart and your mind. Because guess what? we got four soils right here. This passage right here, this frees you up from failure. Sometimes we're so afraid of failing in the kingdom because we hear all these stories. Right now, it's really popular online, social media, all these things, for people to share these deconstruction stories. Oh, I'm deconstructing. I, I, you know, I want nothing to do with the faith. My parents did this or my church did this. And, and so now what that's done, that has planted a seed of fear into the lives of Christians. And so now what are Christians doing? Now we're just holding on to the seed and we're saying, no, 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 I, I'm not gonna sow my seed because it might offend somebody. It might hurt somebody. It, it, guess what? No, 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 no. The seed can't hurt anybody. That's a lie from the enemy. That's not what the seed does. When you sow God's word, when you sow the seed, you're just being faithful to what he's told you to do. He's told you to go and sow it. He'll bring the growth. But the enemy, what he's done in this season is he's come in and convinced you that if you're sowing seed, you might offend or you might hurt somebody. 
you might be the reason for their deconstruction or for their leaving the faith. No, no, no. That's the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. What do we do? We sow the seed of God's word. And now we sow it in confidence. Because guess what? We're so afraid of failing. We're so afraid of somebody rejecting us, telling us, no, no, I don't want anything to do with that. No, church, that's not for me. Jesus, that's not for me. Oh, really? Healing and freedom's not for you? Because I know the addiction you're stuck in. Some of you, you know this. There's people in your life right now, you can look at their life and you can see what they're going through and you know what they need and you have it. You have it inside of you and you refuse to share it though because you're more afraid of being rejected than for them finding life, finding life to the full. But now this passage, this frees you up because guess what? You're gonna sow the seed And three people might tell you no. Three people might say, "Mm, I don't know if I want anything to do with that, but one's going to say yes. That's what we just hear right there. That's what Jesus is telling us. 25% of the people that you share, that you sow the seed of God's word into, that you share your testimony about what he's doing in your life, the freedom you found, the healing that you're finding in the presence of Jesus Christ, guess what? When you share that, one out of every four is going to receive it. And so now you focus on the one and not the three. God will take care of the three. The Holy Spirit will do what needs to be done with the three. You just focus on being faithful and sowing the seed and walking in confidence knowing that if three people tell you no, if three people reject you, if three people turn their back on you, if three family members say, I want nothing to do with you, you're too crazy, you're too serious about your faith, you're too zealous, Say, praise God, because the next one's going to say yes. Three reject me, one's going to say yes. We're going to walk in that kind of confidence in this season as God builds his church. Romans 10, verse 14. Worship team, I'm going to ask you guys to come up as we get ready to close. Romans 10, verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. You got beautiful feet. Each and every one of you in here, you've been called to be a messenger. You've got feet that are beautiful, and I know you don't believe that. That's why we put shoes on, at least the guys. Girls, you wear sandals. You got nice-looking feet. You do pedicures. That's great. You do got nice feet. But now you can have nice feet on the outside and the inside. You can walk in the faithfulness and the calling that he's put on your life. Because guess what? We, we Sometimes we think, no, 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 that's a calling for an evangelist. That's a calling for a pastor. No, 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 that's a calling for each and every one of us in the church. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's why when I say he wants to fill this place, he wants to fill every seat in here, he wants to bring dry bones to life everywhere we walk. How beautiful are the feet? Because how will they hear unless somebody tells them? That's our call. But we've just passed it off to somebody else. We've just said, no, no, they'll do it. 
They'll do it. No, no, no. It's on each and every one of us in here. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. This is Paul's letter to a young pastor, Timothy. And there's different roles in the church. There's the five-fold ministry. And sometimes we think, well, this is just my role. Or you can go through Corinthians and you can see all the different gifts of the church. And you think, well, well, this is just my role right here. My role right here is to serve. Or my role is to be a pastor. Or my role is to be the apostle. Or my role is to, I don't know, to be the teacher. But here's what he says to Timothy. He says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is for each and every one of us in the church. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is the commissioning today. Would you guys stand up as we get ready to worship? This is the commissioning today. And I realize it's intimidating. I realize there's fear stepping into this calling of an evangelist. That's why we're going to come against that spirit today. That's what spirits do, right? They whisper lies to us. And we think it's ourselves. We think this is just who I am. No, 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 no. God did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. If you're hearing fear right now, if you're hearing rejection right now, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's a lying spirit. And so we come against those spirits right now in the name of Jesus. We bind them and we cast them out because we have authority in the kingdom. He's given his sons and daughters authority. He's given them the keys. And so now, put your hand out. Feel that right now. He's putting keys in your palm right now. He just gave you a new key. There's new keys. We can pick up keys all the time as we continue to walk in the kingdom. And we continue to walk in obedience. He just gave you the key of authority right there. The authority over fear and timidity. It's heavy. It's weighty. Hold on to this key. Cherish this key. Carry it everywhere you go. Tie it around your neck. And know that when fear and timidity begin to speak lies to you, declare it out loud. Say, no, no, no. My God did not give me a spirit of fear and timidity. He gave me a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And so when I walk in obedience to his voice. And when I go and sow seed this week, I won't walk in fear and timidity. I'm gonna walk in power, love, and self-discipline. Verse 16, but not everyone welcomes the good news. Once again, Paul's just preparing us. Just know, not everyone's gonna welcome it. Some are gonna reject you. That doesn't mean we don't play the game. No, 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 we step into the game because this is the only game worth playing. Every other game in this world is a joke. This is the only game that matters. And it's not a game, it's warfare. And so we step into it and we know, guess what? Not everyone's gonna welcome the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord who has believed our message, so faith comes from hearing. 
That is hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. Go and declare it in all the earth. thank you for this moment that we stand on holy ground. Father, I pray in this season there's a fortifying, there's a building happening, that there's faith being stirred up in the room, that there's names being dropped into people's spirits right now, and they know, I got to go sow the seed this week. Father, I pray that there's somebody in here that needs to come on Tuesday night. Somebody needs a breakthrough. There's somebody in here that needs to invite their friend on Tuesday night. Everything that that friend's been going through, all the attacks they've been facing, all the doubt they're going through, all the anger and bitterness that are getting welled up inside of them, they're gonna find freedom and healing on Tuesday night in your presence. That's what you do, Lord. Father, we bind every lie from the enemy in the name of Jesus. We walk in authority today. Mark 11, verse 12. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs, but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Jump down to verse 20. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and he exclaimed, look rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Lord, help us overcome the doubt this week. Father, give us faith to speak it and declare it over our lives. To speak it and declare it and sow it into the lives of those we come into contact with this week. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. God's got a building for us. He's got a building. He's got a house that he's going to fill. He wants us to have a house in this next season. He wants us to have a place that we can invite every hard soil, every soft soil, every soil we can think of into his house, into his presence to come and hear him, to come and find healing, to come and listen to him to come and fall on their knees in repentance and turn back to him. I'm telling you, he's got a house. I believe it and I'm praying for it and I know I've already seen it in my spirit. It's already ours in our spirit. Now he's gonna bring it to come to pass in the natural. And I'm telling you, I can see dry bones filling every seat in this house while he's got us here, but I can see him filling it in the next house that he's given us. I'm believing it today. I'm telling you, this is Jesus' words. You can pray for anything 
That's what we're praying for. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I believe it. Church, put your hands out. Do you want a house today? Not for our glory, but for his. He's got a house for us. He's got a house for us at the crossroads of Omaha, at the center of this city where people will come from surrounding areas and they'll come from every part of the heart of this city and they'll come seeking his presence to know him and to be set free because that's what Jesus does. He sets the captives free. It'll be a house of healing. People are gonna walk into that house where doctors have told them you have two months to live and they're gonna walk out of that house completely healed in the name of Jesus. There's gonna be lives and marriages that come into that house that are dry bones. They're the walking dead. They're broken and they've given up and they're gonna hear the seed of God's word declared in that house and there's gonna be a resurrection. He's gonna bring dry bones to life in that house. In the name of Jesus, we declare that. We've already received it in our spirit. He's gonna bring it to come to pass in the natural sooner than later. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Some of you in here today need to do that. That's what we got the altar time for. If you need to come, if you need to forgive somebody, maybe they're in the room, go and forgive them. Go and pray blessings for them. But if you need to come and get prayer, you can come up here. Our ministry team will be up front. Forgiveness. Don't let bitterness and anger keep you out of the kingdom, keep you out of the will of God, keep you out of the blessings of obedience and walking with him today. Don't let that wall keep you from him. Let it be broken in the name of Jesus. Amen.